You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Disrespected because, you know, guys are. They're going around those guys and they're going more to the travel ball coach. And I don't, I don't think it's right. We try to do that with every single guy, you know, just go back and, you know, we try to look at, you know, everywhere they have played and try to go to each one of those guys and find out the background because more and more today, makeup is becoming the issue, you know, and if you're getting the right kid, the right fit for your program, is he tough, you know, is, 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 is he pretty boy, you know, does he have a lot of tools, but he doesn't have a lot of grit, you know. I can tell you right now, in our program, that that's not going to get you very far. You know, at, at the really, really big programs, you know, they, they can go get, the, you know, the, the, the five-tool guy. and You know, they, they can get guys like that to come in there just year in, year out, year in, year out. Well, we have to do our homework at the Ben Major level. You know, we got to really go look at who they are as a person, how they were raised, what kind of leadership, you know, capabilities they have. Um, are they a dirt bag? Are they a pretty, pretty boy? You know, that, that, that's part of the process now. And, you know, you, you really, really, really have to do your homework and be careful with, uh, you know, first of all, who you trust. And second of all, you know, you got, like I said, you got to do your homework and find out what type of player you're getting because, you know, that can ruin your culture really, really quick. Well, Daniel, we really appreciate the time this morning. It's been great chatting with you. Don't forget to come by and see us when you come up. Uh, when you make a visit up here, you got to come by and see us. Absolutely, man. Great to talk to you guys. All right, Thanks again, it. Daniel. Appreciate it, buddy. <clears throat> Daniel Freeman, that was a great interview. Yeah, great freshman uh, coach. Yeah, D- Daniel can uh, give you a lot of good pers- – there was a lot of good perspective there on a lot of different subjects. I hope uh, there was a lot of people that took a lot of that to heart. If you have a, uh, a child that is uh, good in baseball – and uh, whether they're in junior high or getting into high school, uh, Daniel gave you a lot uh, of good information there. On the draft, Kyler Murray, do you do you take the money and leave Oklahoma football? I mean, you got to be a guy replacing a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. You haven't even been named the starter yet. Yeah. Like nine yeah. Do million. you take a chance on getting hurt? I so. think you take the money and run, <laughs> go to baseball. When we return here on the morning drive, Gus Cattengill will join us, and we'll talk Saints and the Pelicans. This hour brought to you by Ronnie Ward, Toyota of Ruston. Brad Parker and his wife Leah opened the Iron Cactus in Calhoun, Louisiana on July 12, 2010 and has made Iron Cactus into a -a one-of-a-kind restaurant and, in my opinion, the best Tex-Mex in the area. They now have a second location at 428 Desired Street in Monroe. Iron Cactus offers a family-friendly environment that's open for lunch and dinner and also has an array of platters for your catered events. Every time you visit Iron Cactus, you'll find a dedicated and grateful staff with a commitment to deliver the best Tex-Mex, along with the fresh ideas that will make you want to come back again and again. They pride themselves in using fresh food to meet your expectations of a delicious dining experience, and they look forward to serving you in a simple cantina setting. What's better than the Iron Cactus fajitas? Eating them with a margarita, obviously. They are so excited to announce they are now serving your favorite margaritas, wine, and ice-cold beer in downtown Monroe. 428 Desired Street, Monroe, and 1304 Highway 80 East in Calhoun. Do you sleep or do you snore? And you might be saying to yourself, 
Wait a second. I snore when I sleep. No, no, no. Snoring's not sleeping. Go to zipa.com. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Zipa is a solution that's comfortable, affordable, and effective to eliminate snoring so that you can sleep. And every Zipa is guaranteed to work. You get your money back. That's why you go to zipa.com. That's happy Z spelled backwards. The promo code is snore66 to get free shipping. When you go to bed with Zipa, you wake up with happy Zs. Remember snoring? That's not restful sleep. It's just not. Not for you, not for your significant other. If you're sleeping in separate bedrooms, been there. Or if you constantly get nudged in the middle of the night, been there. Get a Zipa. Go to zipa.com. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Zipa is happy C spelled backwards. You'll be happy, you'll be in your bedroom, and you won't get nudged anymore. Zipa.com. Promo code SNORE66 to get free shipping. It's 8 o'clock at KNBB Dubach Rustin Monroe. Time for the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive. Sports Talk 97.7. Now on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Never Did you ever think you'd be on a Goosehead Insurance Hotline? Not at all. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Gus hey. Cattengill. How you doing, brother? Uh, it's another one of those mornings, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, maybe we'll brighten your day a little bit. Uh, well, we it get... will help if I can figure out how to put a bottle on before, you know, it spills all over everything like it just did. You're still <laughs> still adjusting, huh? No, it's, you know, it's he woke up a little late, and of course he wakes up and has a potty diaper exactly when you guys called, and it's also bottle time, so that's what I'm trying to do all right now. All right, well, we'll try and keep the uh, questions as simple as possible so you don't have to multitask too badly. Yeah, and, and, and here's the great thing about the bottles. You know, no matter which one you chose, everyone would chose, oh, you got the wrong one. You should be using the Dr. Browns. You should be using it. You go through like 78 <laughs> different bottles. I, I tell you something, this will brighten your day. The other day someone posted a question on facebook what is the worst sporting event you ever attended and i thought back about that and i remember a hot day when we went out to uh neville softball facility you were on the mound i was catching and professor was out in left field and mm-hmm. i don't know where you guess and that that was it that was the worst sporting event i ever attended it was like 112 degrees we lost 18 yeah. you know lost about eight pounds you remember that great day up in north louisiana <laughs> I think we got no hit, right? Yeah, no, 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 no. We got a bunt. Remember, I laid oh, down a right. bunt, and then the next time up, the, the girl hit me. You, you were the guy that busted up a no hitter with a bunt. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Hey, yeah. we were. Hey, yeah. against playing those softball girls, man. The, yep. It was a killer. He the, yep, he did the unwritten rule of baseball that you never ever do. And then she she hit me the next time. About pride, exactly. Yeah. No, I remember. She and hey, I still got a bruise. <laughs> yeah, my only highlight was turning the double play on the line drive. Otherwise, yeah. uh, my at bats were extremely embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it was uh, it was funny. We walked out there. At least we looked good. I mean, you know, we had official shirts with the names on the back and everything. I mean, we looked fantastic. And uh, and then the game started. I kept, Hey, here's the crazy. I kept the jersey. Yeah, I, I still, still have it. I do too. I still have mine. I do too. <laughs> oh, I see a double. I see a, a comeback. Yeah. I mean, look. You know, if they ever want to, re- well, they're probably all married and have kids. By exactly. Now. <laughs> we now have a chance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. About the game for a little bit. No, man. That's uh. That was fun times. Okay, Gus, let's get into it. Uh, Let's go with the Pelicans first. 
uh, with the draft uh, looming. No first-round pick. Uh, they pick at number 51 uh, in the second round. Uh, besides, you know, you're obviously probably not going to get any kind of impact guy that far down. What other moves do you see on the horizon? Now, of course, we all know that the Saint, uh, that the uh, Pelicans have come out and said they want Boogie back. Uh, besides that part of it, that piece, mm-hmm. what other pieces, in your opinion, do the Pelicans need to do or what moves that they may, need to make uh, to be uh, somebody that can go further in the playoffs than they right. did this year? You know, it's interesting because it's it's going to sound like a, an easy answer, but it's easily one of the most difficult ones that you can't know what some of those other moves, I can tell you in theory, what some of those things need to be, but it all starts with the Marcus Cousins. And, and what right. I mean by that is it all starts whether or not you, you, you get them to sign back or not, how much you get them to sign back or not is going to determine where you can go. Um, Look, whether or not Miritich is going to solve your wing uh, issues uh, or not, or how is he going to be? I mean, if you don't get the Marcus back, then obviously you're looking at him playing more starter minutes, sort of like you've seen in the Blazers series, in which a lot of Pels fans felt really good about, you know, uh, the, the prospects and the futures from that perspective, and probably got Boogie a little upset, which is why he started unfollowing people. Um, look, I think from that perspective, some of the needs are obvious. You need to show up the bench, right? And then when you look at it's crazy because normally at this time when you're thinking about the draft and you're trying to to get players to build and get your team stronger, the thing is this, guys, the most important things they need to do is probably retain or resign some of the guys they have. I would even almost say, quite honestly, you know, what's more important? Is it DeMarcus Cousins or Rajon Rondo? And resigning, you know, if you had to choose those two, now I don't know if it's at that point, you know, where you have to choose one or the other, but you know, can you build around that nucleus and 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 that's where you really go from that point in perspective? Because look, you can name players, you can do all this. Here's the thing: you don't sign Demarcus, you're still in the hole and you're still negative. And I think that's the number one thing I've tried to explain to people is that when you take a look at their salary cap situation and when they are, you know, a lot of fans will be like, hey, don't re-sign them, and you can use that money to go get other players. Well, it doesn't work that way. You, can, you actually have some money to be able to spend and sign him because he's on your team, even though you're, you know, over the cap. Look, this team is over the cap as it is. So this team is going to have to find ways and be creative. And, you know, kind of the way it's been explained to me is they're going over the cap and they're going to be in luxury tax one way or another. Um, you know, you sign the Marcus Cousins, you'll have that. Um, and then if you don't sign him, it's still going to be an issue from that perspective. So where they need to go and what they need to do, look, that second-round pick needs to be a guy that can come in and help you you know, now, I mean, I, I mean, from Shaq Diallo to some of these other guys that's picked up lately in the draft, I mean, look, they, they've helped. You saw them kind of come along. But the, the thing about the NBA draft, guys, is so weird is that I still remember Byron Scott, you know, telling me back in the day when he was even here. And then general managers sent him, head coaches sent him, Monty Williams, Alvin Gentry, that 
when you look at the draft, you um, you maybe might have a player or two right now because it's changed from you know the one and dones and younger players going in to where the point you look at now it's he told me you get to ten you're not going to have a guy that's ready to play for you like the tenth pick overall um, to where you even finish out in the lottery and stuff so it's not anything like the NFL draft and most second round picks don't even make the team. Uh, which is nuts to me when you think of the amount of basketball that's played all over the world, and especially in this country, the fact that you can't find two rounds of basketball players that can help you, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about it. Everybody thinks they're league-bound. Everyone in high school thinks they're an NBA player, yet I'm telling you coaches and general managers say the guys we're drafting are three-, four-year projects. It's crazy when you think about it. So, you know, you hear Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis talk about the vision they have for players, projections as to where they think some of these guys are going to go. That's all fine and dandy, and they've put in tons of work and hours and you know what have you to try to make sure that these guys can get on the field within the next year or two tops. I mean, like Anyamata was a project, and some of these other guys, you know, Al-Qadim Muhammad, you know, they're hoping that he's sort of like Anyamata and, and following that footstep. And they pretty much have it as much as a science as possible. NBA people are trying to project four years down the road. I mean, that's what I heard, three to four years that they can contribute. And when you have teams that are winning now or trying to win now, you know, the old saying, that's where you have where the pills are right now. That's why Alvin Gentry's philosophy, I mean, Dell Dempsey's philosophy has been young veterans, maybe players that have been in the league a few years, those three, four years, and try to get them there. That's why you've seen him trade first-round picks, second-round picks, and not that he doesn't value the draft. I, I'm just telling you, people have said repeatedly, the NBA draft, unless you're drafting in the top four or five, you're just not going to get a player that can come in and help you right now. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, at first, I would have never have believed that when you said that. Ten players, you get down to 11, not ready. But then when I watch the list of players that made the decision to return to college, it gives more uh, credibility to that. You look at a guy like Wiley uh, going back to Auburn, then you go back and look through guys going back to the Big Ten. Yeah, it really does. That is surprising, though, that you're looking at after the, about the 10th or 11th pick that, that they're not ready to play. I, but obviously you look and see, and there's a, a proof in that with the guys that are going back to school. Yeah, you know, and, and, and look, like I said, I, I – that's why maybe what Calipari is saying and a lot of these other coaches, maybe it's something I know the NBA's trying to figure this out. And, you know, maybe, look, I, you know how I felt about this. I've said it before. I like to see something like college baseball where if you think, you know, you're good enough, have at it, have a great time, see you, um, you know, good luck to you. If not, you know, you stay to your junior year and you can develop. And, I, I look, I – I just think, and especially what you're seeing now, too, look, I understand, you know, the, the argument that everyone says, well, you can't keep people from making a living. It, are you, though? I mean, are, are, you, are you doing what's best in that it's easy to say, well, look, you can go make a living, go sign a contract. No, you've got to make the team. Unless you're a first-round pick, you don't, you're not a guaranteed deal. So if you're not picked in, a, in those first 30 picks, you do not have a guaranteed deal. That second-round draft pick can be cut at training camp. He's not, not guaranteed a spot on any roster. So what if he doesn't make it? Well, you can go play professionally in, in Europe. Great. How long is that? You get what I'm getting? So now that player has to move, has to go overseas, language, food, doesn't know all this other stuff. I think it's so easy 
um, you know, for advocates of you can't keep people from making money. Who's making the money? I mean, you know, you have hundreds of players that enter this draft that think their first-round picks are lottery picks, and they're not. They're not all going to do that. And, I mean, look, I'm trying to think of, uh, what's his name, man? Um, Is it Jaleel Okafor, right, from Duke? Yes. Um, There was the Sixers. I mean, this guy could have said he was dominant in college. And all I heard every time these games were being played is, you know, he can't do anything more here. You know, he should go. He can't do anything more. And, and I mean, my goodness, you saw what happened there. It wasn't even just his skill set or skill level. He had trouble adjusting mentally, you know, with that kind of money, getting in trouble on and off the court and things of that nature. And, I mean, that guy was dominant in college. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, it, it's, it's interesting when you look at it from all these different perspectives of people that say, hey, go ahead and do this and leave early and everything. I don't know how to solve it. Um, I, I just think, though, you see – a lot of lack of fundamentals in a lot of different areas, um, you know, to where these, these players go and everything. So, yeah, I mean, as draft time comes up, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You just you, – NBA teams don't build through the draft anymore, which is nuts when you think about it. Can you hang in with us for a few more minutes? Sure. Awesome. We'll go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back with Gus Kattengill. We'll talk Saints when we return here on the Morning Drive on 97.7. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Get your craw daddies now at Randall's Fine Meats. Randall's Fine Meats has your craw daddies ready to go every day. Low prices for live or boiled. Ask about their 5 and 10 pound specials on some of the best crawfish around. Plus, Randall's will even cater your next event. Just give them a call, 343-0382, and book in advance. Randall's also has your specialty stuffed meats. And you have to try his fried cracklets. At Randall's, like them on Facebook or just stop on by. Randall's Fine Meats, 4205 Old Sterlington Road, Monroe. When things heat up and you need to cool down, call the experts at Chili's Heating and Cooling. Take advantage of our current offers on all our qualifying Lennox air conditioning systems. Visit us online at Chili'sAC.com and like us on Facebook. Chili's Heating and Cooling, your independent premier Lennox dealer. Good morning, Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. We're uh, talking with Gus Gill down in the southern part of Louisiana as we have the, the north and the south. Somebody was talking to me the other day saying, hey, I'm from northern California. Believe me, there's a big difference between northern California and southern California people. They were very adamant about it, Gus, and I just thought that was funny that, you know, you almost look at every state and they've got some kind of uh, 
uh, northern, you know, northern and southern differences in some of the bigger states. I just thought that was an interesting perspective coming from somebody from California. Let's go to the Saints now. And, um, you know, you're hearing a lot of good things. Oh, you know, Drew Brees in the best shape of his life and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, and now, of course, uh, now that Alvin Kamara is a star, of course, uh, now instead of saying Kamara or Alvin like they did last year, I saw an interview with Drew Brees yesterday uh, during the OTA thing and the mini camps. And he called, you know, he's AK now, so he's got him a nickname. And so, uh, but a, a sport that uh, obviously you can build from the draft. So you're you're seeing you're hearing some good things about some different people. I know uh, from our local area, hearing some good things about Boston Scott. I know right. it's just helmets. I know it's helmets and jerseys and shorts. But hearing some good things about Boston Scott from Louisiana Tech. What have you heard about some of the buzz down there of some of the uh, new people, whether it's draft or undrafted free agents in camp so far? Yeah, you know it's cr- it's crazy because you everyone wants to know what these players look like in, in a small amount of time we get a chance to look at, which is one day uh, out of the week. And you know there isn't obviously hitting you know pads in which you can kind of maybe see strength and things that ain't true, but you just go to what Sean Payton talks about, and he says, look, you're looking at and trying to look at uh, situations such as, you know, alignment of players, know where they're going, and you can sort of look like that. I can always look at as well, you know, what's competitive in these passing drills and, and things that ain't true. Obviously, the run game and support's fine, but you can observe whether it looks like, you know, there's energy or whether – you know, there, there's athleticism and speed, the competitive nature of it. And that's the thing that really stood out in that first OTA. Um, you know, Sean Payton said he hadn't talked to anybody on the team about last year or anybody on the team about trying to, uh, you know, to, hey, the goals, the playoffs are bust or anything from that nature. Um, but I was kind of interested last week in seeing more than anything how is this team when in the off season a lot of people are talking about them about being a playoff contender, if not a Super Bowl contender? And that's a lot of noise. It's a lot of talk for a very young football team. I mean, the core and the base of this team and the reason if they will win or not is youth, you know? So they handled themselves amazingly last year. I think when you look at it, the, the young players probably led the way when you look at it. So, the Saints did a great job in drafting not only talent, but also the, the right mindset in these young players that handled it and took on leadership roles or accepted what the leaders were trying to offer them and, and followed in line and, and, and did what's best for the team. Um, so that's something that really stood out to me. And in the first two weeks, you know, look, you can definitely see, I, I don't think that it's, you know, a stretch to say this team's as deep as I've seen it in a while. Um, there's depth on the line. The secondary looks to be, again, like, like a, a, a strength. And you have tremendous depth, I think, at linebacker. I, I couldn't tell you who the starters are going to be. Um, and I think, obviously, you're not going to know until A.J. Klein gets back fully. You're starting to see him get back. I think seeing health was something that stood out to me the first Thursday. Uh, two weeks ago, in that you're seeing, you know, there's Kikaha, there's Armstead. I mean, if you if you can get a healthy Armstead and Ramchek plays like he just did last year, much less make a leap and get better this year, how much better is he going to be? How much better is that offensive line to have two stud tackles ready to go? You 
you know, added depth on the O-line there as well as guards. Still no Andres Pete. We'll see if he's there in two days, if he gets his, uh, you know, any work in in the minicamp next week as well. But, um, you know, it's crazy. I, I, I left there, and you were mentioning, you know, Boston Scott. I'm like, I have no idea what, what Ingram's doing. The only thing that makes sense to me is every time I can step on a field, I can get hurt. You're not holding out for leverage. They, they made This organization made Drew Brees wait until the week before the, the opening game one year before they gave him a new contract. What do you think they're going to do for you? And and he attended everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> Breeze attended every OTA mini camp and training camp practice, and camp ended, and he still had no deal, and they gave him a new deal the week. I think it was like Monday or something going into the opening game. So um, I, I, it doesn't make any sense because whether it's Williams, whether it's Edmonds, or whether it's Scott, you see three backs that – they're not Mark Ingram, but I don't know if they're Mark Ingram. And here's what I'm getting at. You look at Alvin Kamara, and you're probably going to want to get him the football, right? Right, correct. Okay. You brought in Cameron Meredith, who's months ahead of schedule, who's out there right now, and he was targeting the beginning of the season. You paid him a nice deal at receiver. You could probably want to get him, I don't know what, two, two three targets a game, right? Right. Okay, uh, you drafted Traquan Smith at receiver. Let's say two targets a game at least, right? Right. And you brought in Ben Watson to be a pass-catching tight end who outproduced all of your tight ends last year. You're probably going to throw him the ball twice a game, right? At least, maybe okay. more. <laughs> exactly. So you're looking at, oh, I, I'm sorry, there's Michael Thomas, you know, in his usual. My point is the Mark Ingram touches were anywhere between 10 to 12. You found that already. And then in the running backs that I just mentioned, those three running backs, they have one thing in common. They're young, hungry, and eager, and willing to do whatever it is to make the team. So whenever they get in the game, they're going to give you 100%. They're going to play special teams. They're going to do whatever they have to do to get on that field. And they're going to ball, and they're going to do whatever you need to. And look, man, You've seen some nights. I know they like Williams a lot. I saw him running, obviously, right after Kamara. So I would probably put him above Edmonds right now. Again, it's hard to look at depth chart, so don't read into that. But you can see Boston Scott's speed. You can see the vision. And, you know, and Sean stopped people last week early on by saying, hey, look, the, the belief that this guy is just a joker back is wrong. And what he means by that is that he's just more of a pass catcher or – things that nature. He complimented his ability to run between the tackles and the guards, and he called him a, a running back, but that, 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 that can do several things. So Deshaun Payton, he's looking at Boston Scott as a guy that can do a lot more than just come in on a third down or sub in and do those things. Now, if he can show that in the preseason, if he can do that, that'll help him get a shot. I mean, like I said, though, I, I'm Mark Ingram. I think the absolute last thing you do is make sure that, you know, no one sees you, you know, because out of sight, out of mind, man. And in this team, they were run heavy last year, and I think it was because of, of situation as well, you know. Willie Snead was not, was not healthy and injured. Your tight ends really didn't give you much, and I think that's why you struggled in third down. But there's no coincidence you brought in two receivers, a pass-catching tight end, and – um I, like I said, I, if I Mark Ingram, uh, I, I'm probably trying to remind people why uh, I need to be around.
All right, I do have uh, one question. I want to know about uh, uh, Taysom Hill and, and uh, right. package is going to be more off uh, special teams. Are they going to take off special teams and move into uh, the snaps? And uh, is, could he be the guy? <laughs> it's funny you say that because I, the very last part, we said, could he be the guy? I mean, I, I had people tell me last Thursday that, you know, the competition's over, yeah, that he's the backup. I mean, he looks – and look, here's the thing. He's been in the system a little longer than, than uh, Tom Savage, so you can see that. But you could also see the athletic traits that would lead me to believe he is the backup. Um, the guy's got a, a howitzer. It's not even a gun or a cannon. I mean, it's, it's, the guy can flick it 60, 70 yards down the field, tight spiral like nothing. I mean, the guy looks like he's a CrossFit, you know, guru. I mean, he... Physically, it's ridiculous. I don't think he has any body fat on him. He's got pipes. I mean, he's running, you know, and competing with Drew Brees to go to, to from station to station. So he's got that whole competitive nature aspect out of it. What's crazy is this is the first time that he's got to take snaps with the offense, you know, these OTAs. So we haven't seen him. They haven't seen him. He hasn't seen it. Um, here's the one thing that I've, I've, I've been saying on our show. No matter what, whoever is here, you're assuming it's two, three years from now, right? You're probably assuming that. You're looking at Kamara in his fourth year. You're looking at Thomas entering his fifth year. You're looking at, you know, Lattimore, all these young guys, Marcus Williams, a, a, a young defense that, that's getting into their prime, uh, young groups on the offense getting their prime, still a young line. I mean, Ramchek, you know, going into that. Now, granted, all that means Mickey Loomis, so whoever the GM is at the time is going to have sleepless nights because you've got to resign all these players. But – that quarterback doesn't have to do anything but just make sure you don't lose the game when you think about it. I mean, you might have a pretty good defense, like a pretty good defense, really good defense, right? And you're going to have an offense that, man, you just you – I mean, Kevin Meredith is, what, 24 years old. So he's not even going to be 30. And you're going to have guys that, especially if he's been around for a while, that these are all young guys that are going to be around for a bit. So, man, I, I tell you, I – I can see why they didn't go quarterback. I can see why Sean Payton has been saying and telling us, look, there's no reason to fear. We're, we're fine. Look, we'll see a lot more once there's game competition, there's competitive snaps. We will see what happens, obviously, um, come training camp. But he's been impressive. I mean, it, look, again, we've only seen two OTA practices, but I would say health, depth, athleticism, speed, and definitely the play of Taysom Hill have been the storylines. Yeah, and, you know, you look at one thing, Gus, and certainly appreciate it, but the only thing you go back, you look, and you got to get him out and play because I believe every year at BYU ended in a season-ending injury because he even came back for a year. He already did his mission, so that's why he's 27 Mm -hmm. uh, years old, and you look at it, but certainly the athleticism. I'm excited to watch. Uh, I want to see him play. You know, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Yep, no doubt. I mean, again, I, you know, I just want to see what what can – what he can do out there, like I said, I mean, it's funny you mentioned his age, 27. I'm telling you, that guy is fit, and uh, he looks athletic and ready to go. So, um, I mean, look, at the end of the day, obviously his team is different if Drew Brees in there, but I, I did the, the the horrible thing of asking it because somebody supplant Brees as the most important player, you know, <laughs> that, that on the team. Because, I mean, again, Camaras, I mean, these guys are pretty big and important. What's the one thing you can really do without? Um, but – you know, I it, the point is, in years past, Breeze goes down, we'll see you next year. You know? Right. I mean, it'll be a top five pick. 
I could make the case and argument Breeze goes down, I don't think the Saints are not competitive. Uh, okay, yeah, you're right. You build a team and go back, and you know that team that's in uh, West Alabama, but you get a guy, you, you got enough of a cast and enough stars around it that you go from being having to win with you to being a manager that you can come in and do that because of the uh, talent that the Saints ha- have accrued. So I agree with you. Right, and you know, it's crazy. It's not even you know, almost even being a manager. Yeah, being a manager, but allowing and having weapons – and allowing for that guy to be able to be successful and give him a lot of opportunity to be successful right. because he doesn't have to do, you know, nearly as much. He's not walking in there and going, hey, I have all of these different, you know, aspects that I have to do, run the team, get to the huddle, make plays and all that. He just has to follow the offense and follow the flow. And, again, if you've been there a while, Sean is going to find a way to, to make that work. I mean, it's just funny, you know, I mean, we spent all this time talking about the trust and if Sean can do this and Sean do that. The one thing he hasn't done, and I'm going to be interested to see if he, he can get done, is develop a quarterback. And I think that's a challenge that he's ready for and he's taken on and he's made no bones about it. Think about that. He's, since, you know, the, he's been here, they haven't developed the quarterback. Gus, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can listen to your show. A 12 to 3, I'll be on, uh, on the TuneIn Radio app. It's absolutely free, and you can follow me on Twitter at GCAT17 or at ESPN Radio NOLA. Man, great to talk to you. You too, man. Take care, Coach. Okay. Bye. Gus Gattengill, everybody. We'll go ahead and take another break. Nick Brown and I will return here on the morning drive. This hour brought to you by Car King of Monroe. We'll be back right after this. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. LOTS has been a reliable health care provider for Ruston and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. LOTS, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road, car king. The all-new Yard Power of Monroe, Northeast Louisiana's only Cub Cadet dealer. Your Cub Cadet Superstore is holding a big open house this Saturday where you can save 15% on all Cub Cadet Pro-Z mowers. That could mean up to $1,800 in savings. Big discounts on a great selection, even red tag special deals on closeout inventory. So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane. Wake up. Did you know? Wake up and hear what you've been missing. It's the Nick Brown Show. Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m. on 97.7. Follow Nick on Twitter, Facebook, and listen online. Wake up. Join us this Saturday. It's the Nick Brown Show, 8 to 10 a.m. Saturdays on 97.7. Now, 
let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive here on this uh, rainy and a little bit stormy, depending on where you are. Looks like a lot of weather coming in from uh, over in the street. Yeah, not, area not a great well. day to have the top down on the Jeep. Uh, wife had yeah, the, you had a little problem no, with no, that but, this morning. The top is not down. I, I took it completely off. So <laughs> we're uh, we're going to be uh, a tough sledding today. 888-993-7762 is the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline and Text Line. Call Stuart to see how you can save on home and auto. 588-7474 is his number. Uh, we've got a little, uh, little sad news today. Uh, a couple of uh, recent uh, sports deaths. Uh, we'll talk about Dwight Clark. But uh, C.M. Newton. Uh, C.M. Newton was the uh, actually the head coach at the uh, University of Alabama. He was the head coach at uh, Vanderbilt in the uh, SEC and was actually the head coach at Transylvania College up in uh, Kentucky, and he was the athletic director at uh, the University of Kentucky at the time when they needed it most. Uh, came back and interesting note: uh, C.M. Newton he, he passed away uh, Monday evening, but uh, C.M. Newton actually played baseball for the uh, Kentucky Wildcats as well. He was on one of Adolph Rupp's national championship team and actually played a minor league uh, baseball a little bit uh, after his, uh, basketball career ended, but, uh, CM Newton passed away, but I can remember this, uh, you look at, uh, really integrating the University of Alabama, uh, basketball and what he did. And then you go back to where Kentucky basketball is now. People won't remember that. And it's kind of like, you look at, say, I can remember when this team wasn't any good. Uh, you look at the University of Kentucky, uh, Eddie Sutton, uh, the uh, FedEx package, it came open that it had cash uh, in it, led to some uh, bad times for Kentucky basketball. And Kentucky Shame was the uh, Sports Illustrated that you had. They called C.M. Newton to come home, uh, clean it up. He uh, brought in Rick Patino, and, uh, of course, uh, then we'll see where Kentucky basketball is now. But uh, C.M. Newton passed away. New news uh it was son Martin. Martin used to come around and make the Converse. Uh, back when Converse was a lot of schools, and, and yeah. Martin was a rep for Converse. We talked about uh, he and his dad, but he'd come by uh, to Kansas. But C.M. Newton uh, passed away uh, last evening. Yeah, one of the other things, a uh, little talking point here, uh, Dwight Clark uh, the with the catch with the, seven, with the 49ers uh, in, with Joe Montana uh, passed away from ALS at uh, the young age of 61 and you know Nick if you think about it and and I've seen a lot of articles about this the it's not really heavily publicized you hear a lot about the concussions uh, and the concussion syndromes that a lot of the older players that played in the 60s 70s 80s had to deal with in the NFL but also in baseball along with uh, along with football a lot of people don't realize that before there was even the word steroids or performance-enhancing drug phrase, there were some of these things that were in their infancy, some of the steroids that were being produced back in the late 70s and early into the mid-80s. A lot of these professional athletes in baseball and football were kind of the, uh, you know, nobody talked about it, but because there wasn't, uh, there wasn't this culture of people, quote, trying to cheat. Then it was just something, it wasn't a performance enhancer. It was more to keep you more fit 
and to recover faster and uh, and to make you healthier uh, than quote a performance enhancer. But a lot of these guys, uh, and I'm not saying it's necessarily true in this case, uh, but you have an inordinate amount, and that's what some of the articles that I've read about this, you have an inordinate amount of guys that are dying very young, relatively speaking, say under 70, that played in that era in baseball and football and end up having uh, cancer, leukemia, uh, tumors, uh, in this instance, Dwight Clark at ALS. And there's uh, a little bit of a, an educated opinion, I'll put it that way, uh, by some medical people and scientists that a lot of these athletes that were, quote, the guinea pigs for the early steroids that were coming out during that time period are some of the ones that are now um, – prematurely, you know, dying at a, at a fairly young age because of the consequences of taking uh, undocumented steroids back in the time, uh, in that time era when they were playing. Yeah, I, I really uh, agree with everything you said, except not trying to cheat because people have been trying to uh, uh, cheat since uh, day one. But you're right, you go back and look at what people were taking, and I don't know if you're trying to connect that to the – the ALS, or, I mean, you go back and look at the players, obviously, you go back to, you know, you go to Lou Gehrig, and, and there'll be a point where, you know, will it go back just being called ALS? It seems like more uh, than that now, simply because of the time frame it's been since Lou Gehrig uh, succumbed to the disease, but it's like, you know, I knew it as Lou Gehrig's disease, and then, you know, now you'd be like, what is Lou Gehrig's disease? Oh, you mean ALS, and, and you know, it was the opposite way, uh, and I guess you go, I'm not disagreeing with you debate, but I mean, you go back and look what percentage of it's more profile. I mean, because Dwight Clark and, and it real quick on a side note, many people don't remember, but the catch was not in the Super Bowl. A lot of times people think, you know, and it's a great catch, and but it's an NFC championship game. But I think if you look at the population, I do understand what you're trying to say, but I think if you go back and look, Obviously, a smaller percentage of people play professional sports than don't play professional sports. And then you go look at even the percentage of athletes that do uh, develop ALS, leukemia, and such. I think, that obviously, the population, I really don't know if you can make – I understand what you're saying. Well, I was going more – I've read, I've read quite a few articles because, obviously, I'm you know illiterate as far as medical stuff is concerned. But it, there is a, um, I'll call maybe a groundswell of research that medical people are starting to do based on when guys played in that early, early kind of experimental steroid era and some of the uh, ages that they're passing away at and some of the diseases that they're passing away from. And they're trying to make... Uh, some correlation between uh, the steroid experimentation during that time period and some of the diseases that these guys, because you do have uh, a little bit of an inordinate amount of athletes from that era that are passing away from d different diseases like this at an awfully young age. And they're diseases that are pretty much um, uh, 
associated with some of the byproducts of steroid use. Yeah, I, you know, I would have to, I would have to actually read up on it. Uh, certainly, yeah, sad. I will say this: a Forty ers organization, you know, they all got together and, and just reading the article about his passing. That, uh, and certainly as widow, she said, but you know, just to see him smile one more time, and she got that. But certainly, always be remembered. You, you go back and look at those those iconic moments from your childhood, and, and you remember the catch. You, you go back and just. Look at, uh, at those things and certainly be remembered uh, for that. But Dwight Clark, uh, San Francisco 49er, passes away at the age of 61. And FS text in on the text line uh, says some studies also indicate that ALS strikes athletic people at a disproportionate proportionate rate. Uh, FS's vocabulary is much larger than mine, so having problems saying disproportionate rate. But uh, uh, thank you, FS, for that also. I just wanted to mention that because uh, it is sad when you see, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about to be 62 this year in just a couple of months, and it's kind of humbling when you get to, you know, into my age group and you think about, uh, you know, the people that you watched on television uh, in sports that are a little younger than you uh, that are passing away from some of these diseases. It's kind of a humbling you know, thought. It makes you think a little bit about, uh, about things. So uh, appreciate FS on the text line. And uh, we'll be back with our parting shots here on this Tuesday edition of the Morning Drive right after this. Whatever car you're looking for, Whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Nothing's uglier than oil stains and tire marks on a carport or driveway. Unless, of course, it's old broken gutters dripping gunk all over the house. Well, Bayou Overhead Door can fix both those problems. Along with installing reliable garage doors, Bayou Overhead Door specializes in beautiful floor coverings for your patio, garage, pool deck, or driveway. These durable floor coverings are installed in just a day and are four times stronger than epoxy. Easy to clean and long-lasting with a 15-year warranty. And for pool decks, they reflect heat so they stay cooler. For those worn-out gutters, Bayou installs seamless gutters, available in all colors and fabricated on-site with state-of-the-art equipment to ensure a custom fit on your home. No more ugly tire marks and oil stains. No more leaking broken gutters. A beautiful home starts with a call to Bayou Overhead Door, 322-1090, or visit their user-friendly website, BayouOverheadDoors.com. Good morning. Here's latest weather conditions for our area. Scattered showers in the forecast for today ending by this afternoon and a high of 87 degrees. Part of the cloudy skies, cooler temperatures on tonight and a low 68. Plenty of sunshine in the forecast for tomorrow with a high of 91 degrees. Local sports talk is on the air. On the morning drive, this hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive here on Sports Talk 97.7. Mark Kramer and Nick Brown here with you today. Santoria Black will be joining me 
uh, tomorrow here on the show as Aaron Dietrich is on vacation for a week and a day. And, of course, Jake is still doing daddy duty. We hope everything's going good with his new baby with that. Uh, want to get to, uh, before we get to our parting shots, want to get to uh, some of the brackets now that all of the uh, regionals have ended in college baseball. Nick, you talked about this yesterday, that because of the way the brackets fell originally, that if they played out the way they ended up playing out, for the most part, of course, Tennessee Tech threw a, a monkey wrench in that beating Ole Miss 3-2 to two in that deciding game yesterday which was a big surprise people go tennessee tech i've never even heard of that school cookville tennessee and cookville tennessee uh, 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 just a, a mecca of baseball in cookville tennessee but you were saying that a bunch of the sec teams are going to end up playing each other in the super regionals which will be basically like a a three-game series in the sec during the regular season just whoever gets to host in those and uh, the very first one of course is uh, the Auburn Tigers and the Gators. You know, watch, uh, watch Florida Atlantic last night. Florida Atlantic uh, came out and uh, – Gave Florida it. everything they well, wanted. Well, they defeated them 7-4, to four, won the first one, and then stayed up late, watched the second one, and were leading. And it went from where they were playing just to – you knew that the two-run lead that they held wasn't going to be enough. Florida cut the uh, lead to 2-1. to one. And uh, Florida Atlantic was making some moves, did the best they could, but then uh, the Florida player hit a home run that would have been out of uh, – a lot of parks, uh, Yosemite, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you go through uh, Jackson Hole, it was a shot, and they just couldn't recover, but but a strong showing now. As an Auburn graduate, you were looking forward to Florida Atlantic because you'd had a super regional uh, on the Plains. Auburn has made a trip to uh, Gainesville earlier in the year where they were swept, but they did have leads in uh, two of the three games, so that should be an interesting series. The big winner, the big winner to me and it goes back to how you set that up. I think both teams playing in the Gainesville Regional, uh, Auburn and Florida, are both better than Vanderbilt or Mississippi State. And what's going to happen now, kudos to Mississippi State. I thought they went to the weakest absolute uh, regional. And I'm going to pull for the Bulldogs because Cohen had said he wanted a guy with – and I, you could see it in the players. Cohen, the athletic director at Mississippi State, said he wanted a guy – wanted a coach – with College World Series experience. What about Omaha? Well, get, get Gary Henderson, hey, the interim coach. Is those the guys, guy. Those guys are playing. I, I tell you what, they're two wins away from making – okay, Cohen, you said you wanted an Omaha guy. And they were struggling well, early in the year. They've won eight games facing elimination. Yeah, they were struggling uh, mightily at but, the beginning but of the year. Face it, they've gone back and won eight games in NCAA postseason play facing – Elimination. Now, take care of Vanderbilt and then go tell uh, John Cohen, hey, we, we got your Omaha. He's got Omaha experience now. In uh, the, another regional, they've got, uh, you've got uh, the Huskies of Washington versus uh, what is one of the best programs in the nation uh, every year, and that is Cal State Fullerton. Cal yeah, State Fullerton is, uh, just had, uh, is a little brother. I mean, the pesky, they're always there. They're tough. They're aggressive. Uh, interesting to watch that one. Uh, you got, to, to me, uh, Texas Tech and Duke. Uh, Duke has been one of those teams to me that uh, uh, has always been on the cusp and somehow just find a way to win. Well, and you don't think of Duke when people – I've had a couple of people go, well, I noticed that, that Duke is in it. You know, what's the deal with that? You just – people don't associate because of basketball – 
people don't associate Duke with with uh, a high level baseball program. Well, they're not going to have to anymore because uh, Texas Tech, I think, will just really uh, run through that. Uh, the get your guns up, the Red Raiders are. But then you've got another SEC matchup: Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Yeah, absolutely, and I think Mississippi State uh, gonna gonna uh, take care of business on that and make uh, make uh, Gary Henderson the. Omaha experience, so uh, I look forward to that one. And uh, then you've got uh, the Hogs going up against the team they played really late in the season in SEC play, uh, playing uh, South Carolina. That's gonna be interesting. I, I not you know Fayetteville, what they're doing was that regional, that tough they just came out of uh, with uh, Southern Miss, Dallas Baptist, and uh, what I can't remember even the third uh, the third team was it can't remember who was there, but anyway Arkansas. Uh, that's going to be a good regional. Oh, Roberts. Roberts was there as well. I think, yeah, obviously watched Carolina, Stetson, and uh, Minnesota and uh, Oregon State. Uh, you got, you know, that did go with uh, Tennessee Tech over. Uh, Texas. How about yeah? How about the underdogs of of Tennessee Tech going up against the Longhorns? I think you pull for that. You know, that's going to be the elitists of Texas, the Clemens, and all they, uh, that they'll get the attention they'll get. Let's go for the. Ohio Valley Conference, who plays their uh, conference tournament in Oxford, Alabama. So I'm going to pull for the OVC champ. I'm looking right here. You got eight. I'm counting eight, uh, nine. You've got nine of the number one seeds in the regionals that have made the super regionals. The only, the only teams that were out of the either the first or second seed that made it were actually teams. From the SEC to OVC, I mean, you look at uh, was Texas. Washington and Cal State Fullerton were both number three seeds. Yeah, and and uh, now Auburn was a what a two seed. Uh, yeah, everybody else was a two, two seed, seed or a one seed except Cal State Fullerton and Washington, and that actually they're playing each other, which is kind of ironic. So, uh, so that's your that's your super regional setup, and we'll be following those as uh, as the games start. Uh, and it's Saturday, so Saturday will be the, the good one way to start it. Says now I know the competition wasn't the same as Ole Miss all year, but you can't hold that against Tennessee Tech. Say that again. It comes from Tyler. Said the there wasn't a surprise Tennessee Tech. They consistently dominated all year round. I think they actually were talking about it during the break. Uh, I'd have to look it up exactly, but I think they led the country in home runs uh, during the season as well. He says uh, the competition wasn't the same as Ole Miss all year, but you can't hold that against Tennessee Tech. Uh, good job, of course, by them as well. Yeah, 135 home runs. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, I didn't have the exact number, but I thought I thought I saw something in a write-up about them that uh, that they led the country in home runs. So uh, let's very, very, very quickly have our parting shots. Look here. Look here, Blondie. God, I hate to hear that. I hate to hear that. And you and Nick up there at your little Punch and Juice show, y'all kind of made fun of it and went on to the next subject. I don't know why we can't understand that. And y'all treat me like garbage, man. Well, I don't really care to answer the critic. Y- y'all trumped up all over me. Wrong. That is absolute wrong. I'm a crowd pleaser. That's what I do. I try to play with my crowd. And I don't really care about that. It's the end of the conversation. Thank you very much. Have a great day. I love that from Les Miles. Thank you very much, and have a great day. (laughs) My parting shot very quickly was uh, uh, you had another um, situation with a hit batter yesterday in the Yankees-Detroit 
Giancarlo Stanton gets all testy. Uh, the pitcher goes, you know, hey, I wasn't trying to hit you. You know, not every time that you hit somebody, I saw it in college baseball this year too. Anytime somebody gets hit, all of a sudden it's stare down the pitcher. They're trying to throw at me. I know it does happen in certain situations, but as a former pitcher, you know, in the high school and college level, it does happen where you just, uh, a pitch flies out of your hand. You don't, a uh, curveball slips and you may uh, not snap it down and it stays up or, or a two, uh, four, two seam fastball tails into somebody if they're crowding the plate. You know, the, these guys don't realize, hey, your hands are actually over the plate. Okay, we saw guys in college this year, uh, the guys when the games I saw Louisiana Tech play, for example, there were guys that crowded the plate so much that their hands were actually over the strike zone. Well, if a guy throws the ball in the inside corner of the plate and hits you in the arm or in the shoulder, well, you're almost standing on home plate. What do you expect? But these guys staring out there and, oh, you tried to hit me. You know, and the quote from Giancarlo Stanton was, I know he wasn't trying to hit me, but you know what? Don't hit me. Well, that makes a lot of sense. He comes up after that the next time up hits a home run, points to the pitcher, throws his bat up in the air, and all of that. It's just ridiculous. You're a professional player. If the guy hits you by accident, just run down to first base and forget it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Playing this past weekend with young kids, one of them hit the hit the guy, goes down to the uh, small age, 13-year-old, hit with a curveball. He looked over like he hit him. His head coach looks says, don't be a joke. Get out of first base. If he's going to hit you, he wouldn't have thrown on purpose. He would have thrown an off-speed pitch. Yeah, he's not going to hit you with a curveball. Uh, my party shot's a little bit uh, different today. Uh, you know, we talk about the NFL and the problems that it's facing, and we know that there's been leagues, startup leagues that have tried to compete. And haven't been that successful. I mean, the USFL ran out of money, uh, overspent the XFL the first time. Well, get a little bit of credibility and credence. Oliver Luck is going to become the first commissioner and chief executive officer of the XFL. He is leaving the NCAA in Indianapolis and will relocate to Connecticut to be the first commissioner. So, therefore, maybe now trying to get take the time put everything in place and you know what it might just work we'll see thanks for listening to the morning drive this morning uh, nick brown and i appreciate it very much appreciate john Tabor doing the uh, ones and twos here this morning and uh, you've been listening to the morning drive here on sports talk 97.7 this hour was brought to you by car king in monroe we'll be back the same time tomorrow again santoria black will join us. Everybody have a great day and we'll see you in the morning. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.